0: Greetings, fellow immunology enthusiasts. Welcome to Antibodies. This is our lucky number 13 monologue, which is a segment where we break down complex research articles into digestible bits. Hi, I'm new here. My name is Casey Kilpatrick. I'm a principal scientist focusing on translational biomarkers here at Boston Biotech. I'm here today to talk to you about a question probably every grad student has asked at one point in their career, which is, why can't I stay up for four days without sleep? This paper, entitled, Prolonged Sleep Deprivation Induces a Cytokine Storm-Like Syndrome in Mammals, will hopefully provide you with some clarity on the question. It came out in Cell in December of 2023. The lead author on this paper is Eric Zhang out of the National Institute for Biological Sciences in Beijing. So let's dive in. I'm sure we've all been there before. Maybe you stayed up all night celebrating New Year. Studying for finals, or maybe you just have a new baby who doesn't need to sleep. Chronic sleep deprivation has kind of just become this pervasive aspect of modern life, so much so that people often brag about their four hour sleep schedule or surviving off of coffee alone. In fact, it wasn't until 1997 that the Guinness Book of World Records stopped allowing attempts at the world record for going the longest amount of time without sleep because the dangers of sleep deprivation are just entirely too high. But you may ask, you know, what does this have to do with the immune system? You'll notice if you stay awake for long enough, on top of feeling incredibly tired, you start to have muscle aches, trouble making decisions, and brain fog, which really feels much like an immune response from being sick. We know that sleep is important for neuronal metabolism, kind of oxidative stress responses, and cytokine production, specifically in the central nervous system. Still, the precise role of the immune system in acute sleep deprivation has yet to be fully elucidated. But before we get into it, here is a quick word from today's sponsor. Are you tired of submitting your paper to Nature and being surprised when it gets rejected? Maybe you've submitted too many RO1 grant applications only to be denied. Or maybe you had three successful experiments in a row and your self-esteem is just a little too high. Let me introduce you to our revolutionary AI reviewer 2GPT. Reviewer 2GPT is an innovative large language learning model trained from thousands of journal reviewer comments, feedback from only the most toxic PIs and world-renowned chef Gordon Ramsay, Let's see it in action. Hey, reviewer two, what do you think of my flow cytometry experiment? The fundamental premise of this experiment is flawed. Why did you even bother? This experiment has no purpose much like you. That's not how science is done. Go back to counting cells by hand. Hey, reviewer two, please critique my r one grant. I'm sorry your institution is not situated near a major airport. And this severely limits your ability to collaborate with real scientists, not that any of them would want to. I would very much like to live in the fantasy land where you could achieve everything outlined in the abstract. Sign up for our waitlist now and never be surprised by negative feedback again. All right, back to the paper. To understand why this paper is so exciting, it will be helpful to cover some background information first. There are two main stages of sleep in mammals, REM or rapid eye movement and non-REM, which is non-rapid eye movement sleep. REM sleep is characterized by fantasy dreaming. You do have rapid eye movements, muscle atonia, where you basically can't move that much, but you do have increased brain activity. Where non-REM sleep consists of more deep restorative stages of sleep, you have slower brain waves and minimal eye movement. You can actually still dream in non-REM sleep, but the dreams tend to be much more logical in nature and hopefully less horrifying. Sleep deprivation in the context of this paper includes blocking both sleep stages. What I found the most interesting part of this paper and what really hooked me in was the question of why hasn't anyone done this before. The premise is very simple, but as it turns out, it's actually incredibly difficult to sleep-deprive mice. Because sleep is such an important physiological process, the body has several compensation mechanisms, most notably microsleep, which is where a person falls asleep even for a few seconds, and it often goes unnoticed to the person and the people around them. Hey, maybe you've even done this in a really, really non-exciting seminar. But when mice sleep, they adopt this kind of really cute, really cozy, curled-up position, where their, their limbs are kind of retracted. You know, maybe even humans do this a little bit too when they sleep. But the authors of this paper thought that this would be a good behavior to exploit in order to develop a new method to sleep deprive rodents. The flooding of the cage with water up to the mouse's ankles provides enough water so that when mice try to curl up to go to sleep, their noses get submerged in water and it forces them to stay awake. So the authors termed this new method Curling Prevention by Water Paradigm, which will be abbreviated to CPW. What hypothesis are we testing in this paper? Well, first, the authors want to validate the new method of sleep deprivation. Does it actually work to deprive mice of sleep? Which really enables the question of what are the acute physiological consequences of sleep deprivation at various time points, which I do love a simple hypothesis, And you can really see the discovery process in this paper that they uncovered insightful information through each subsequent experiment in the paper and that really informed them of kind of where to go with the studies. The curling prevention by water paradigm resulted in 96% awake time compared to the normal 63% in the control mice. This was monitored by electroencephalogram um, probes in the brain to monitor the level of awakeness. This level of sleep deprivation resulted in 80% of the CPW mice dying after four days. These mice had widespread inflammation and immune cell infiltrating in their organs, which led to multi-organ dysfunction syndrome. Starting at 12 hours after the onset of sleep deprivation, the levels of pro-inflammatory cytokines increased in the blood, the most significantly increased cytokines being IL-6 and IL-17A, IL-6 is kind of known to be a big driver for cytokine storm development. Neutrophil recruitment by CXCL1 and CXCL2 was increased, which can actually come from increased IL-17A transcriptomic changes that were monitored by RNA sequencing that were most prominent early in sleep deprivation. They had significant changes in neutrophil-mediated immunity, degranulation, and activation, And you might ask, you know, neutrophils normally respond to infections or to wounds. What are they doing in the context here of sleep deprivation? The authors found that the cytokine storm and associated mortality from sleep deprivation can be prevented by prophylactically providing acetaminophen, which is a COX inhibitor that's normally used for pain relief or through steroid administration. Similarly, in mice that have a null mutation in the IL-2RG gene, these mice don't have mature lymphocytes or natural killer cells, but these mice are protected from the pro-inflammatory cytokine secretion and the mortality from sleep deprivation, indicating that this mortality can actually be prevented by only blocking cytokine signaling, which, even if we stopped here for a minute, is interesting. I'm Definitely not. An expert in sleep biology, but I would have guessed that the neurological consequences of not sleeping would be the cause of mortality and not the immune system, but definitely add that to the list of ways that your immune system can kill you. Because this is a cell paper, of course we have some nice single cell RNA sequencing data to corroborate the upregulation of neutrophils and monocytes at 24 hours after the onset of sleep deprivation, the pathways that are differentially regulated, in sleep deprivation include things like neutrophil degranulation, we have neutrophil-mediated immunity, and various cytokine-mediated signaling pathways, which all of this is very unsurprising given what we've seen in the prior experiments from the paper. The increase in the number of neutrophils in the circulating periphery was also confirmed by flow cytometry, but curiously, If you experimentally deplete the neutrophils in these mice, it does not protect them from the sleep deprivation induced mortality or from the inflammatory cytokine secretion. So if the neutrophils aren't responsible for causing the cytokine storm, what is happening here? Through a series of ablation and pharmacological interventions, the authors discovered that sleep deprivation actually modulates the blood brain barrier and the transport through abc transporters and because acetaminophen and steroids both ameliorated the pro- pro-inflammatory cytokine secretion the authors hypothesized that this might be due to prostaglandins specifically prostaglandin d2 which is known to have a sleep inducing effect in normal physiology so stimulating the pgd2 receptor which is also known as the d1 receptor it did increase neutrophils and serum IL-6, indicating that PGD2 might actually be the bridge between the brain response and the immune response and sleep deprivation, that the increase in PGD2 levels in the brain causes an increase in the permeability of the blood-brain barrier, and that PGD2 leaks out into the periphery, and that results in peripheral changes in the immune system that lead to IL-6 induction, and that can cause a cytokine storm. This paper covers a lot of experimental ground and used a wide variety of kind of very highly technical experimental techniques that I recommend checking out the paper if you haven't done so already. The authors demonstrated that an acute sleep deprivation leads to an increase in the brain-derived prostaglandin D2, which binds to the D1 receptor, And this results in the increased blood-brain barrier permeability that triggers pro-inflammatory cytokine release in the periphery. This is exciting because normally we consider the brain to be more of an immune-privileged site. So to have a physiological process where an inflammatory stimulus or insult to the brain can have kind of downstream consequences or an effect on peripheral immune cells is really interesting. But because mice and humans have such different sleep requirements, I do wonder how the time course would play out in humans and to what degree the detrimental effects of sleep deprivation are reversible or are they preventable? Can we use this information in some way to help people who have insomnia? My not-so-serious takeaway from this paper is if you had a time machine and you wanted to go back to the late 1900s to retry to get the world's record for the longest period of time without sleep. Maybe it would be helpful for you to load up on acetaminophen and steroids first so you can dampen your PGD2-D1 axis and win it. And guys, that's it for this monologue. Hopefully I'll catch you in the next one.